Picture me looking like a Geigerish nightmare hanging by a thread with weird melted face. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably an improvement. So. <laughs> So we've reached season three then, the most recent and the somewhat legendary already season three. Um, just to give you the quick synopsis, if I can find it. The third and final season also takes place in the year 2401 as Picard reunites with the former command crew of the USS Enterprise while facing a mysterious new enemy who is hunting Picard's son. So I'm sure we all have lots of thoughts about season three. Uh, so I'm going to come to you, Sandra, because I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask what you think worked and what didn't work overall for the third season. The entire thing worked for me. I loved this season very much. Um, even though it was a bit convenient, yes, all of a sudden Picard has a new son uh, and, um, you know, exploring the whole how would he have been with children thing, um, them putting their relationship together, where everybody's been, how I felt they kind of weaved the cast in organically. It wasn't like the first season where he's like, I got a ship, now I'm going to go round up my crew. It wasn't like that. I was worried about that because it just always feels forced. So I loved we weaving people in later in the season, all the callbacks, all the familiarity. I am being on the D again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, I, I, that was for you. I knew I was going to catch that one. <laughs> but yeah, just the entire thing worked for me. I'm trying to come up with something that didn't work and maybe something will pop up later, but I'm oh, not funny, thinking of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not thinking of anything. This I just loved all of it. That's fair enough. I do remember, I'm going to say this now because it's a little embarrassing and I may cut it, but on a similar note to that joke, I do remember a friend of mine from school who occasionally talks to me just about Star Trek because he knows I'm a big nerd, was like, oh, can you believe what happened at the end of this season, the return of the Enterprise D? And I just texted him back, the D never looked so glorious. And then two seconds later, that's what she said. <laughs> because I couldn't believe I'd just written that without realizing. Anyway. Um, it was glorious, though. You're right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sharing to the screen now one of my big criticisms with this season because I've just remembered to do it. Um, so, yeah, let me just read this out because I fully agree with this. Uh, somebody called Positronic Pain on Mastodon. Star Trek Picard said that the most found family of all is the biological one you just found out about. To which Weather Wax Cats replied, there is no bond deeper than that between a father and the full-grown son he's known for a day and a half. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of summing up some of my thoughts towards this season. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I, I think a lot of it worked, don't get me wrong. And I'm kind of on board with a lot of the stuff that everybody else is. But I'm kind of, I'm the grump that recognizes a lot of things that for me didn't work. And I think 
as a plot, as an overall plot, it just doesn't work. It disguises the fact that it's very flimsy and poorly done by throwing stuff at you that you recognize. And don't get me wrong, it works. It works on me as well. You know, fan service is what it is. So, you know, any excuse to to get those moments in is great. And there are some great moments as well. But I don't think Vadik worked as a villain. I don't think the changelings worked bringing them in. I don't particularly think don't even think that the the Borg thing at the end particularly worked very well. So for me, it just felt like yeah, there's a lot of really great fan servicey moments. Not just the obvious things like you know the return of the ships and stuff, but like seeing Row again and actually having conclusion to that was really great. But it's all kind of in service of a plot that for me just is Swiss cheese when you actually break it down. Um, it's fine. I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> I think it, it depends, right? Because because you're not wrong. You are not incorrect. I, I could not say you're incorrect, but it's like, I guess, to what degree does everything weigh out enough that you can forgive it or look past it? And yeah, I totally bought everything. And I'm sure I'll get to that. Like I said, I don't think it really sort of affected me overall because of how powerful a lot of the other moments were. But I would be remiss as a kind of reviewer and somebody analyzing this if I didn't say that for me, a lot of stuff just wasn't there, you know? And uh, yeah, and I really resent because Terry Metalis did an interview where he said like, oh, people have a go at things like member berries and it's just, if it's done well, it can be really good and it's just a stupid criticism. And I'm like, it's not though, because you kind of pointed it out yourself. If it's done well, fair enough. But a lot of the time you are basically pasting over your flaws by just throwing something we recognize at us. And that is the definition of like member. I remember the Enterprise D. You remember? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, yeah. Not great. But, um, yeah. That was a new term me? for me. I had to look it up. Member berries. I didn't know that one. Oh, the South Park reference. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of, it is, it is kind of, it has been the death of criticism because it is something a lot of people throw at you. Um, and a lot of the time it isn't fair. But I do think a lot of, yeah, Picard season three is very much like, hang on. Like, there really is, I'm loath to say it, but there really is no reason for them to have rebuilt the Enterprise D and fly into it. And the idea that a ship that was supposed to have a thousand people can be manned by a crew of seven is ludicrous. But I don't care because it looked amazing. So I guess I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, logically doesn't make a ton of sense, but who cares when it works? Uh, and that's one of the ones that did. Anyway, moving on because I'm, I'm sorry, DK. Place, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, I'm rather all over the place. DK, what do you think worked and what didn't work in the season? Uh, I remember a discussion we had about four or five episodes in, and uh, it was it was kind of Emperor's New Clothes. We were saying, why is everyone loving this? It just seems kind of more of the same. And I do, I still hold that. To a certain point of view, I mean, Metallus did a good job in, you know, it's obviously stands out better than the the previous two seasons. Mm. The 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 some of the callbacks, I mean, some of them are so in your face. It's like you know you're being hit with a frying pan. But some of them are quite nice little touches, like Moriarty and Daystrom Institute. See, like I that. I really hate that because they should not have spoiled that in the trailer. I was expecting him to be a much bigger threat than just a cameo. Yeah. I mean that, but I mean, I guess that's down to marketing, really. Yeah. How much Metalis has a say in that, I, I I couldn't say. I did like it as a nice touch. I didn't like the predictability of a lot of the plot. It's like you know, as soon as you saw Ed Spielers, you thought this is going to be Picard's son. Yeah. And oh, lo and behold, 
it turns out it's Picard. So and they and you know they they revealed it as if it was some big shock, and it was just like and I don't think they did personally, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it just no. I just I didn't like that. Uh, I love as uh, Sandy said, they brought the crew back organically. It wasn't just a you know done in one episode and that you know was... here's everybody. We're all old friends again. That was another I mean, thing that bugged me. Sorry, I'm jumping in while I remember because I just was constantly waiting for the them all to be there. And I was like, well, okay, where's LaForge? Where's Troy? We know they're all in this. And again, it kind of, maybe it boils down to maybe they shouldn't have marketed it the way they did. It's like, everybody's yeah. back because because you're just, you, you are, you're just waiting. I'm waiting and I'm like, well, when am I going to get to see the Enterprise F? Oh, I just did. It was three seconds and it's gone. But it, oh. again, it's, <laughs> it's down to marketing and it's it's pandering to people that hated season one and two saying, oh, we want the old characters back. So they've put that, you know, front and center of the marketing. Yeah, but... yeah, come and watch this. So there's not really going to be a surprise on that front. It would have been nice. And I know, you know, in today's day and age, it's nigh on impossible to get something out there without spoilers. Well, I mean, they didn't spoil the return of the Enterprise D, and that took a lot of doing, to be fair. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, some did guess it, but... I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, also, um, LeVar Burton kind of blew it at a convention like a year ago, if anybody had been paying attention. <laughs> but never mind. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I didn't share that to you because I didn't really feel comfortable doing it because it was a spoiler. But, yeah, somebody posted LeVar Burton talking about how Oh, we go back to this hangar and we're all on the bridge of the original Enterprise D and it's all crazy. And I was like, dude, how are you not just being sniped by somebody from Paramount right now? <laughs> it's insane to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, some plots worked, some plots did. I didn't see any point of including the changelings whatsoever. You could have worked around that fairly easily without okay. dragging them into it. I don't for a million years think the Borg would have worked with the changelings it's I mean I can remember when Shatner brought the return novel out and people were saying the Borg would never work with the Romulans it's it's just kind of the same thing and at the end of the day they weren't that in you know they weren't that big a threat Vadik was also seeking revenge on Starfleet that had nothing to do with us we've never been involved in the Dominion War no matter your son found us on the edge of space where you left us poisoned. That was definitely Janeway. We can't afford her! <laughs> in this season anyway, you could have easily got around that by putting someone else in. It was just a, a feint for, you know, oh look, it's the Borg again. Shock at the end of things. It was more and, fan service. That was exactly what it was. Yeah, it wanted but, to be... You know, oh, wait, this is the ultimate thing we remember from Next Gen is the best of both worlds. So let's finally revisit that one last time. Yeah, I, I hate yeah. the fact that, you know, we have this big reveal and, oh, look, it's the Borg again. Uh, didn't like that. But certain other things I, I love, love that dipshit from Chicago. Yes. Uh, when he first showed up, I hated his guts. But, uh, oh, God. Uh yeah, I think as a character, an absolutely fantastic character. If I was a captain on Starfleet, I would probably be sure. I remember, <laughs> I, you know, I posted it. I think there was a, uh, a meme going around that said, uh, when I was young, this is who I'd be when I wanted to grow up. And it showed a picture of uh, Picard saying, let's see what's out there. And then it said, me actually grown up. And it showed a picture of Shaw saying, anybody else want to throw some more weird shit at me? 
So, yeah, I love uh, Shaw. I, I, I'm afraid I'll have to take the cell next to uh, Adrienne on this one in uh, in Horny Jail. But so jealous of uh, Jack Crusher because he gets to spend quite a lot of time with Sidney LaForge. So, Aww. Aww. Yes. yeah, I like I that. I like to that. See to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think Ashley Sharp Chestnut is, frankly, one of the <laughs> most beautiful people on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I as a se- as a season, I think it was vastly improved. I think nostalgia played a part, which, again, going back to what I said earlier, not great if you're looking towards the future, but it is what it is. We all like what we like, and it, it, it did have that sense of going home in some respects. Yeah, but to me, I don't want to harp on this too much, but for me, it didn't even really have that because it still had a few of the things that bugged me about Star Trek Picard. Like it still, as as I think you pointed out to me at one point or another, nobody still turns on the bloody lights on the ships until we get to the Enterprise D at least. Yes. It all has to look dark and, you know, brooding. And Vadik has to be smoking a cigar in literally every part of her appearance which don't even get into the logic of how a changeling would be doing something like that anyway, but it just looks greasy and horrible, and I'm just like, oh, we get it, you're a villain. Jeez, you know? So I could have lived without all that. And like I said, the cussing and the references to drugs and stuff was like, yeah, cool, you're hardcore. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so to me, it still didn't feel like kind of next-gen, you know, the final season or whatever that people claimed it was, but, you know, not fully anyway, but it got there in the end, I think. Anyway, again, I'm rambling because that's how I feel about season three. I'm so conflicted, but um, what was I going to say? So I've been around and asked everyone's what worked and didn't work and took far too long. So I'm going to ask who was your favorite character and performance again then, and uh, who shall we start with? Who wants to go first? Any volunteers? I'll pick one I, I can. <laughs> okay. I can. <laughs> go for it. Um, my favorite character this season was Jack, um, w- despite any issues. Um, I just thought um, the actor himself, um, I just thought it was a good pick as far as casting. Just having recently actually seen him in something else on TV, he was already familiar to me and, and I liked him in that. And so when I saw this, it just like meshed well for me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. And maybe that's why I was able to roll into the whole thing so well because I was just happy he was a part of the cast. Um, so he was my favorite character um, just besides um, kind of going through what Soji went through um, in season two, um, you know, finding out, you know, he wasn't who he thought he was and everything. But I liked that he um, had that strong humanitarian side. Like he wasn't out for money or riches or fame Um you know, he was really just out to yeah, to help people. Humanitarian until he suddenly decides that the best way to help everyone is to murder everyone over the age of 25, which, you know. That wasn't his <laughs> Not fault. Not really the kind of humanitarian. <laughs> it was entirely his fault. This is what bugged me. They pointed out that it was entirely him. <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't that uh, genetic piece that he was born with in his no, brain? no. no. See, this is this is what bugs me. The end of the season really plays it up that like, oh, um, he's still himself. He's not melded with any collective. It's completely Jack. He's still in there, and you hear him being like, "Kill, kill that one, kill them all, kill." And I'm like, "Which is it? <laughs> is it that he's got no will of his own, and the Queen's making him do it, or is it that he's just like, nah, I'm just gonna kill them all?" 
Oops. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> well, I thought he now. was, in, in my opinion, I thought he was, you know, in a sense, activated and he overpowered it exactly as Lucutus did. That's how I saw it. But anyway. Yeah, but I'll point after how many casualties <laughs> did he overpower it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and then I, I guess know. my favorite performance was Worf. Raffaella, it's so great you'll get to meet your granddaughter. I'm glad your son is talking to you again. Do you have any kids, Mr. Worf? Ah, yes. Farewell. I shall keep wandering freely as a warrior of peace. Okay, but JL mentioned an Alexa. Goodbye, brave warrior. Who <laughs> was, uh, oh, yes, Michael. I mean, every line that came out of his mouth. I, I was reading some people felt that he was a little too much comic relief, but I felt like the way he oh. delivered it and everything was perfect. It just, I got a chuckle every time he spoke. I did like the little double act thing him and uh, Frakes seem to have going on at certain yeah. times. They work really well together. Yeah. But even then, it's not entirely just played for dumb kind of laughs because... You have Riker saying, like, you used to push back, man. What happened, <laughs> you know, when he's uh, just not fighting? And, oh, you st I see you're still uncomfortable around Tribbles on. I see you still take pleasure in people's discomfort. I was like, yeah, I like a that. Bit of a I will to this. a threesome. <laughs> and he says, do you even hear yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. that, that was listed as simply wharf noise, and I have no idea what that is. Okay, I thought that was someone's uh, kettle boiling. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, sorry, your performance was Michael Dorn. Your character would be Jack Crusher. Uh, Sandra. Um, TK, I'm going to mix it up and come to you next. What would you say your favorite character and performance? It's going to be that dipshit again. Uh, Ooh, yes. he, I, again, he was loathsome when he started. Then he, then he became some kind of semi-Cisco substitute. And I, I just mm. thought this character is going nowhere. But by the end, he was by far one of my favorite characters in this season. But again, they did him the disservice of offing him, uh, which, you know, seems to be any character that's not related to the original cast that you, you form an attachment to. But yeah, I thought he was a, a breath of fresh air when it came to Starfleet captains. Yeah, fair enough. And performance? Is that the same thing? Ooh. No, I'm actually going to go with Patrick Stewart for this one. Okay. And the reason why is I'm not 100% sure if it was intentional or if it's just the vibe that Stewart was getting. But I watched this with my father and the, several times throughout, my father would say, you know, He's too old for this now. He's too old for this. You could mm. you, you could sense the age in Patrick Stewart's voice as he was talking. But when he was on the bridge of the Enterprise D, he seemed to regain that strength that you remember from the next generation. And I'm not sure if that was intentional. But... I do kind of have an explanation for why he seemed like that in season two, because um, they went on to explain it. But, I mean, I, I can tell you if you like, but it's a bit boring. <laughs> Um, yeah, go for it. Well, basically, they were filming the scenes in season two at the Chateau when, like, the 
Borg possessed soldiers are attacking and everything. And they were obviously using smoke machines to make it appear that they were under heavy fire and everything. And apparently it really irritated Patrick Stewart's throat, uh, like terribly. But he mm. said that like he wanted to still go ahead and just film everything with that because he was like, actually, this works for the character at this point in his life because it sounds so frail and crooky and whatever. And I was like, he, Yeah, ah, his voice you... was like cracking. Yeah. 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 He, he so when you watch season two and yeah. you're like, oh, okay. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, and it seemed like that a lot through this season. But once he was on the bridge of the Enterprise D, it seemed like the old Picard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I see exactly what you're saying with that one for sure. Um, but Adrienne, we have come back to you. What would be your favorite character and performance? Okay, my uh, favorite character um, is really a tie. I love Shaw. I thought he was great, but you know what? <laughs> Dr. Crusher, she, okay. she really brought it all together. She started it by by reaching out to Jean-Luc and she ended it mm. by figuring out the whole thing about Project Proteus and and how the Borg had been implanting things to the transporters. Like I just, I think she was great. Loved it. Great to see her stand up too. Great to see her be tough and all that stuff that I like about her. She's that was neat. Yeah. When she was timing it and she was getting yes. the time. But man, yeah. she took a long time to clue anybody else in on that though. Right. It's like how many maybe how many thought, times did you need for confirmation? Right. But maybe she thought she sounded crazy because the whole contractions thing and then those baby squids. I mean, I mm. just loved that whole thing. I just Super cute. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I liked that, but it did kind of feel like that came out of nowhere as a random plot in the season in the middle of everything, just to again give you another like member encounter at Farpoint. Member <laughs> <You know>? right, <laughs> right. <laughs> came out of nowhere, like her driving the Enterprise through the Borg, like through the Borg cube. <laughs> I was kind of fine with the regard in that in the regards that they all kind of look at her and she's like, I've learned a lot in 20 years. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm fine with this. <laughs> She's yeah, 20 years life. is a long time. Yeah. yeah and it was just her and Jack and one other guy. So, yeah. So yeah. she really well, had she, she commanded the bloody ship when it was, you know, hiding in a sun from a Borg ship back in Descent, part one and two. So, uh -huh, you know, yeah. why wouldn't she know how to fire phasers or whatever? <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I really wanted to like Crusher, but I just, I, I, I have real issue with that one scene where she's basically, you know, oh, I don't even care about my morals and ethics, but let's just kill Vadek and everything. And I'm like, mm. this is the woman who wouldn't even send Hugh back to the Borg because mm. it was a living being that, you know, needed her compassion. And yeah, but I just didn't Vatic recognize her in that scene. Vadek's coming after her son. Yeah, I got yeah, it too, so for that on. reason. You don't mess with she's my also, kid, uh, Yeah, fair enough. But Vadek's also perfectly justified, which also bugged me because it's like it goes to pains to point out that she was wronged and she was this vendetta against Starfleet kind of is fair. I love that, then, though. <laughs> I hate that so much. Because <laughs> then it just does nothing with it, and it's like, well, your vendetta's fair, but you came after my son, so I have to kill you anyway. Like, what? Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Adrian. No, no. I get basically, it. Yep, you're going to die. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, Hippocratic oath, not Hippocratic um, I mean, anyway, it's you or me, but... right? It's you or me. <laughs> So, um, was your favorite performance Keith McFadden and uh, Adrian? No. No, my favorite performance is a personal one. I'll do a tiny bit of background. I never liked Riker in the original <sighs> series, like watching it. So I'm giving it to Jonathan Frakes. I just really think he he really did well. Good for he him. He really 
he genuinely brought me to tears in that. Yeah, he did. I yeah, same, same, same. Oh, and I, I really couldn't stand Riker. Like there are two or three TNG episodes that are all about Riker. I never watched them because I couldn't. I was like, I just can't stand this guy. But now he's he's just amazing. He really is. How 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 emotional was it though when it was like um. He gave me a lifetime. The least I can give him is ten minutes or whatever. And I was yes, like, oh, yes, yes. And when number he one, he was turning and looking at um, looking at Picard, like, "Hello, this is your son. Don't you get mm. it? Are you blind? Are you are you effing kidding me right now?" As the kids would say. Yeah. Right. It was nice how they tied it into like the eight second turbo lift ride when Picard <laughs> yeah. was born when he didn't know anything and whatever as well. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I so Jonathan Plus, you know, Riker got to be cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he got Although to command the like, Titans. Yeah, I did not like when he yelled at Picard to leave the bridge. I know they ha that was good for the plot, and they have their reuniting moment where he walks in and says, hey, you were right, and I was wrong. But I didn't feel like they had to go so far. You just killed us all. You know what I mean? I didn't think they had to do that, but. It did feel out of character, especially all the times that he was his number one and he right. followed him into it. And right. where was the I respect? Was, yeah, yeah, I get that it. Was the it point. Yeah. That was the point, though. Like, I kind of was fine with that because the whole point is that, you know, Riker's a captain in his own right and Picard's basically retired. And mm -hmm. at that point, he is in charge, Riker. And I mean, it, it's I think it's in the next episode. It sums it up when Picard's like, I think it's time you start calling me number one because the power dynamic has completely changed in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked that, that ha happening throughout the season because, like DK mm -hmm. says, then when you get to the Enterprise D, it's fully Captain Picard again. He even says when the computer says, you know, command handed over to Captain Picard, oh, I'll gladly accept the field demotion. And I'm like, yeah, because it's not a demotion. Kirk knew it. Captain's the best thing to be. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I haven't given mine, but I would say my favorite character... <sighs> I'm going to cheat slightly because I have two as well, if, if you'll permit me. I like a lot of them in this season, but I'm going to go for uh, both Shaw and Worf for kind of relatability and comedy reasons. And Shaw, because as a new character, he really did grow on me and fully turned me around on him and was always amusing and relatable. Worf, because he was still the Worf I recognized, but also genuinely funny and moving at times. Genuinely, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Shaw was like Lorca with morals, like evil Lorca with morals. So yeah, he was a, an interesting character. I would because even a say lot that. I of would say, yeah, I would say he's kind of more like if Jet Reno was a starship captain, personally. <laughs> like I've had enough of this shit. Like I'm here. But, you know. My favorite performance. I want to shout out Michelle Forbes coming back as Roll Aaron because my word, that woman can act, and that is my highlight of the season. Finally. Finally, after 30 years, getting closure to that and her finally telling Picard, no, if you genuinely cared about me, it wouldn't be conditional. Oh, yes. I was just punching the air like, yes, finally. And then uh, just how moving it was when Picard kind of says at the end, I finally do see you. It's only now that I realize. And then she uh, doesn't die because she gets beamed away to the brig of the Intrepid. And you can't convince me otherwise because she's not dead. So. <laughs> you read that you read that i read that too i like that thought i i did think that already because we didn't see a body and i was like mm, they were had transporter range and then when i read that that was gonna be revealed at the end i was like yeah she's alive I'm not pretty much time. every pairing they had uh, or, or every you know even rose um 
you, the people she was with, I was like, I want to see that show. Oh, I want to see that show. Oh, I want to see that show. Like, I just felt like it was a, a whole season worth of backdoor pilots. I, I would I would watch any of those people continue, any of them. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that because there is obviously yeah. a, a huge backdoor pilot situation for the season. But right. I don't want to talk about it too early, but we'll get to it for sure. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Where were we? Favorite, well, favorite episode, I guess, would be the first thing. Uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny. Adrienne, what would be your favorite episode of season three? Okay, my favorite episode is actually sort of um, right in the middle where everybody gets to shine and it's two episodes together. Forgive me, but no win scenario where every single character that we love really gets a whole bunch of acting. But I'm going to say that the, the moment where they had to go get Shaw and say, hey, mea culpa, uh, we need an old grease monkey to come mm. and fix the nacelles, you know? So I thought that was great. And then um, ties in directly with imposters. And you said it already, Mike. I mean, having Rolaren, and I wasn't ready for that. I hadn't seen a spoiler or anything. No, um, we needed on that one for once. And I, <laughs> and I just, Michelle Forbes, she just, she is amazing. She's incredible. I thought she really really did well and she, you're right her acting is just great yeah awesome um so no one scenarios yeah. and imposter for me fair enough uh sandra what about you what would be your favorite episode um my favorite episode and again i i failed to write down the number but um i had brought this up um and we talked about it briefly but when um Jordy's meeting up with Data for the first time. Of course, all of these reunions, um, you know, we, we already had a soft kind of Riker and Deanna with Picard reunion, but um, all of these reunions just uh, felt, I just felt them so much. Can't even put my finger on exactly what it was, but especially Jordy and Data, um, mm -hmm when Jordy lays eyes on him for the first time and I don't know how long and he's just data his his tone of voice the look on his face relief happiness sadness um that was just a very strong moment for me and I do remember liking the entire episode of them being um another caper there in the Daystrom Institute trying to get out and um um, Moriarty shows up and I actually liked that he was just in there for a minute because a lot of the hologram stuff, uh, even through TNG, I didn't, didn't love as much, but I appreciate who Moriarty was to the crew. And so I liked him showing up there and just the thought that they got away with data and be, um, forgive me. What was it? Be, what, uh, be, be before. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the, uh, that they got away with all so much data, <laughs> mm -hmm. so to speak, um, so much information. Um, I just thought that whole thing was good. It was very intense. Um, uh, with the the ship now has cloaking capability, which was really easy to rig up. <laughs> but um, I just <laughs> well, thought that was from the HMS Bounty. We told them to do it. In fairness, <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I just I just really liked that episode. It was I guess it was kind of in the middle where we kind of shifted gears from assembling the crew to you know fighting everything. Yeah, 
I have to um, I have to interject slightly to say that it wasn't that moment with, uh, and I mentioned this already to you, it wasn't that moment with um, Jordi and Data that got me when he first saw him and stuff. It was this conversation, which I had to find because it's so incredibly well written, which is just, um, well, tell me, how do you feel? I feel, I feel. Well, I hope you can sense as fully as any human has ever felt anything, how happy I am to have my friend back. Uh, and then Data responds, and it would be negligent of me not to say, despite my many changes, the one thing that will remain forever constant is my gratitude for your friendship. Oh, I could cry now. <laughs> I so know. They the just, I, was like, oh. <laughs> I think I had mentioned that it just brought to the forefront um, how Jordy just always had infinite patience with Data, always having to explain um things that are very hard to explain things I wouldn't even, you know, things that a four-year-old asks and you just give them a, a silly answer because it, it's too high of a concept to get into. And uh, just everything they were through together, it was just such a special friendship that I didn't even maybe didn't value it as much or realize how much I valued it until, till this moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was also another episode where the moments that were, you know, you could argue that were fan service or member berries really worked because I thought the way Brent Spiner acted out Data's various memories when he was tricking Law yeah. and everything from sort of having the hologram of Tasha Yar, mm -hmm. which was a nice little visual touch to like explaining how how important Spot was to him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he 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 made me feel like I was capable of something I didn't know. I, he was the you know I genuinely felt affection for this creature and he was the best of me. It's such a really cool, sweet moment mm -hmm. as well, and uh, yeah. Everything that was, uh, you know, and just how good an actor is Brent Spiner that he was able to, in various scenes in those couple of episodes, he was switching between Data, Law, and Before, Lore. and yeah. Soon. And you never doubted which one he was. I was like, this is incredible because it shows you how different every performance that he did was over the years. Mm -hmm. And they are, they are just different people. It's incredible. Anyway, <laughs> that's, uh, I'm, I'm starting to praise things instead of dissing them now. So let's, uh, let's go <laughs> DK, I'm coming to you. <laughs> uh, imposters. Oh. Reasons? <laughs> uh, <Just> Roll. <laughs> pretty much already been been uh, been named the uh, the thing with Roll, the scenes with Roll. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, I, do, I, I, do, uh, I, I believe it's that one where uh, Shaw gets dragged into engineering as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and uh, um, the whole situation with uh, seven fragging the imposter because mm. she asked Sydney, you know, what her name is. And she says, mm. uh, you know, Commander Hansen. Yeah. 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 Well, you obviously that moment stuck in your brain because horny jail, but yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah. I kind of have a top three of my favorite episodes in, in rank order. Cause I don't want to not shout them out. So I would say the bounty is my third, just because as much as I complain, yes, I am still a sucker for fan service. And, you know, you're going to a place where there's multiple ships and Seven of Nines talking about Voyager and they see the Defiant and the Enterprise mm -hmm. A and stuff. And, yep, that'll do it for me every time. <laughs> you know? um, so I like that one. My second one would also be Imposters for all the reasons we've talked about, the conclusion to the Raw story and everything. Uh, but my number one would actually be, uh, apologies, Adrian, it would be the last generation, the last episode, because it just got me. As much as I didn't love the way the main plots and things were tied together. I think the way that it served as a send-off for every one of those characters was so beautiful and so much better than we got in Nemesis. And yeah, I did genuinely get very emotional seeing the Enterprise D in action again. I can't help it. You know? Even though it made no logical sense, I just didn't care. I was overwhelmed by just, yeah, but it's, I felt the same way as the characters and 
that moment at the end when they're talking about what would we have been without this ship? Different, certainly, but not better. I was like, that's I, that's exactly how I would sum up my life of what it would be without, you know, that ship. So, mm. yeah, I got quite emotional during that moment as well. Yeah. What else? Uh, but I so did forget to say you had brought it up um, that you didn't really care for um, Vedic, but um, I I really did like her as a as 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 a villain i thought it was believable and and i um loved her ship too i had mentioned that that it, it had real nero vibes yeah the yeah. shrike it had real nero vibes um not only the ship itself but that you know she was coming in to correct a wrong that had been done to her and her people personally um and and so that that did work for me i, I did like Amanda and that. Yeah, I loved. Yeah, I thought her I performance was too. very. Her performance was very good, but then it just went to the wrong side of arch and campy to me as it went on, and I was like, "All right, calm down." Jeez. It's probably because there was yeah. a little bit of Frau Fabissima in there, <laughs> and that might be what you're, you're sensing. <laughs> because like you her. have a secret son. Come in, Jack. <laughs> I love the strike too. I love that ship. It was really evil looking. Uh, I, 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 I really love Vatic. Um, I thought she's, she's great. Who are those but people the, but, with her? Okay, but that was what I was about to say. Every single thing in this whole season, that's the one thing that did not work for me. Her crew. You know, now yeah. I understand why they did it. They did it that way so that she could answer back things to them. You know, we could read the writing we uh, on screen, but she could really act and give her opinions on what they were saying. And she could be mean and nice and crazy and all over the place. But I just didn't care for those guys. And then when they went on um, Titan, I was like, ugh. But th that's just. They were just faceless, generic bad guys to me. I wasn't really fussed one way or the other. But, okay, but yeah. that's really TOS stuff. We really, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, if they were going to be there. Like who are yeah. they? What what is their language? Like what what's their what's their thing? But I know generic bad guys and hoodies. Okay, fine. But geez. Yeah. Yeah, they are what they are. Because um, <laughs> why 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 couldn't it have been some Gem Hadar? You know that would have been cool. Yeah, that'd have been interesting. Like we're, species that we knew and understood. They were the well because they were they were specifically the changelings that had been operated on to become the the next sort of evolution that could mimic internal yeah. organs and everything yeah, and presumably yeah. that's the reason why i assume that's the reason why they were able to kill vadic by blasting her into space when we've seen other changelings survive that because mm -hmm. she would have had the internal organs of a human because that's yep. what she was at that time mm -hmm. so i was kind of like all right that's i've, I've kind of no prized my way out of that error <laughs> so, right. um yeah anyway a few skits that i wanted to say because i just randomly started putting my sort of issues into thoughts and they were vaguely amusing so uh yeah let's <clears throat> let's see which one shall we start with we'll go in order of episodes so dk would you help me out with um to, to, to picard and geordie's conversation from uh yeah, from vox yeah, uh, are you you're gonna be geordie or will you be picard which one would you like to be? I'll, I'll do picard if you want go for it um okay you can start I almost killed everyone I knew, everyone I loved. You have no idea what it feels like to have her control you. Two hours later. My daughters have been assimilated. 
We'll fix it. Don't stress. <laughs> so, yeah, it seemed very cavalier all of a sudden when in the same episode he was like, this is so traumatic. What are we going to do? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, where will I? What, what shall I do next? Uh, oh, come on, DK. You're going to have to help me out with, with this one again. Um, Which one? I've kind of already touched on this, but we'll, the one that starts, I'm proud of you, Jack, and uh, you can beat oh, Picard okay. again. <laughs> right, hold on. But don't forget, you have to play the pregnant pause <laughs> that I've included here. I'm so proud of you, Jack. To your new assignment. Well, Starfleet probably needed to fast-track a few officers to replace the millions I personally killed. Oh, the Enterprise! Ta-da! <laughs> 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 Just act out this hilarious meme for the people that are listening. It's nice to be back on this ship with the people who mean the most to me. Jean-Luc, we're your family. And Sydney, Alexandra, and Alexander are our family too. Yes. Let us go rescue Sydney and Alandra. <laughs> <laughs> ah, poor Alexander. I know this kid. <laughs> Uh, the only other thing I wanted to bring up was just I, I I did also kind of feel like they shortchanged the LGBT people, and I think that's worryingly why I think this season might be as popular because they just abandoned all that, uh, including mainly the Seven and Raffi relationship. Although I will say that I've seen an interview with Terry Metalis where he says that the reason for that is they didn't want to address what would happen knowing that the end of the season would end with them as captain and first officer, and that would be a difficult thing to explain would they be allowed etc but that if it if star trek legacy goes ahead it would certainly be something he'd love to write like the the conflict there between captain seven's head and heart if anything happened to a girlfriend on a mission or whatever so yeah i was wondering if you guys have would, any similar thoughts about that or... i would definitely like to see that um kind of like rebooting the relationship uh because um like you mentioned it was very rushed at the end of season one and then like i mentioned i just season two like like i said it just felt too clingy um it would be interesting to see that kind of build a little bit more slowly and believably and get us more invested in the relationship not just because um you know we want to be forward thinkers and we want to be more inclusive um but let's give it its due, you know, make it really yeah. something special, make it something that will open hearts and minds to these are just two regular people. And this is why they fell in love. Like that would be preferable to how, you know, it was shown before. Yeah. I do kind of resent, like I said, the fact that the anti-woke crowd are like season three is so good because it doesn't do the woke politics and stuff. And I will say, I did note that there is actually a non-binary bridge crew member, by the way, which everyone seems to have ignored when they're making that argument, but you know, as they often do. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I do think we need more of that. And I do think that was a failing of this season, personally. Um, I didn't like at the start when Rafi's undercover that she said her and a girlfriend mm -hmm. had split up. And I thought, oh, we're going to use this as a plot line now, are we? And then it turned out that, you know, they kind of hadn't split up, but it was never addressed anyway. It, it just kind of. I think the implication was that they had because their careers were taking them different places. Like Seven was first officer on the Titan and Rafi was working for Starfleet Intelligence. So, you know, their careers sent them to those paths, but then obviously they converge again at the end of the season. So, yeah. Knows? But I think I was more sold by Michelle Hurd's performance in that one. I thought, oh, please don't tell me she's, you know, back to the drugs and stuff like that. I just didn't love that. I never love it when they have Rafi and then actually having her do the drugs and stuff. I was like, oh. And I hated everything that happened to me. 
on Metallus Prime. I just that's not a Star Trek-y place. And I could do without not just being there, you know, even with the gangster Vulcan and the dodgy Ferengi that wolf beheads and stuff and whatever else. But yeah. Anyway, nothing to do with what we're talking about now. Um, I'll, I'll briefly talk uh, after we've done the conclusion and scores about the potential future, excuse me, because <clears throat> we should probably address Star Trek Legacy, the elephant in the room. Uh, but, you know, we'll do that in a second. We've, we've kind of made our thoughts clear, I think, overall, but this is going to be a, a nice way to, to round it all up and say... What would be your overall score for season three? Uh, would you say it's a hit or a miss? And let's start with you, Adrienne. <laughs> season three is a total miss. I give it a one. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, Sandra, guys. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> season three, I loved it. I love this show. It's an 8.5. It's a hit. Awesome. I love, awesome. I love these people. <clears throat> and you know what's one thing that I really, really notice is... Um, LeVar Burton's acting, it's so subtle. And mm. his eyes are just amazing, even with the contacts. Like, I believe every single thing he's saying, I feel like he's not acting. And that's all I'm going to put out there. Fair enough. Um, so you said 8.5 and hit. That's fair enough. Yes. <laughs> Sandra, same question to you. What, is, what about a score and uh, et cetera? Uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. Um, and I obviously think it's a hit cool 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 um yeah so nine out of ten what out of curiosity what was stopping that extra just that little extra one um short season we, you know we didn't get to explore a lot of things um um yeah just there just wasn't enough of it i guess yeah because we're used to 26 i know what I know, the heck yeah. i know I miss it. Kind of sucks so that uh, Discovery's only getting ten for its final season next year yeah. as well. But, you know, anyway, so eight point five and nine. Uh, DK, we'll come to you. I'm going to give it a nine. It's a hit. Oh, okay, awesome. Um, and I'm going to give it an eight, um, which I think might surprise people given my criticisms. But like I said, the things that worked really worked and hit this old nerdy fanboy in the feels. <laughs> it would have so, been yeah, perfect, definitely. but they just spent a little more time. On the plot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, or done something a little bit more, I guess, fresh than uh, than they did, but yeah. So, <clears throat> in any case, that gives us a final score for season three of 8.625 out of 10, uh, which I can, yeah, qualifies as a hit, I would say. <laughs> Just loves so, them yeah. all back together at the poker table and everything. Oh, I loved all of yeah. that. That was yeah. a beautiful yeah. final Just, shot. Yeah, really. It was. <laughs> And I had I mentioned I could watch that on a loop. I could fall asleep yeah, to that on a loop. That's right. oh, I friends. don't know if you guys actually saw this, by the way, but I meant to share that um, they, they, they that scene in the poker table with everyone was just completely ad-libbed. They said that they didn't give them anything to do. They just let the cameras roll and just oh. filmed them for 45 minutes. Oh, and neat. that um, if he has his way, apparently Terry Metalis is going to have that whole 45 minutes as like a deleted scene slash extra on the Blu-ray set. Oh, and I'm like, I love oh, that. I That'd really need this to happen now. <laughs> <laughs> I read that Patrick Stewart didn't want that at first. Hmm. What, the, the poker scene? The poker table. He wanted it. He, he, there was a, apparently a, a scene with just Picard on his own and it was, it was supposed to be a little more downbeat and Stewart wanted that, but they never let him film it and just did that one. <laughs> Oh, bless him. Well, you know, he's he's wrong. So 
That's funny. Even uh, even a well, I was going to say even a great night of the realm can be wrong sometimes, but we all saw Stardust City rags, and we know that. <laughs> Let me just get my final tabulations ready here. So yeah, if we add everything up, then Star Trek Picard as a series overall, uh, out of thirty, gets a score of twenty one point six two five. So pretty fun. Yeah, um, definite hit for everyone. Although I will say. Just to be, again, party pooper, it's still my least favorite Star Trek series just because it doesn't fully work. And it is a shame that the third season is where it hit its stride, as is often the case for Star Trek. Only in this case, the third was the last. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so look into the future very quickly then. Obviously, uh, we kind of have to talk about the idea that Star Trek Legacy was set up, uh, something that Terry Metalis has kind of said would be the name he would give to any series that he does in future, and it would involve the now renamed Enterprise G7, Rafi, and a bunch of the legacy characters as children, and possibly guest appearances by them, all from Next Gen DS9 and Voyager, and set in the year 2402 and that kind of period. Um, so yeah, just generally, I was just thinking, would you like to see this, and what would you kind of, what would you like to see improved, or what would you like to see done in Star Trek Legacy? Uh, DK, you've had a, a plenty of time to think about this because we've talked about it a few times, I think. So, what do you think? Jack Crusher, the Neelix of the Enterprise G. Uh, <laughs> definitely, I would. I would love to see this. I want to see more of Seven and Raffi. I'd, you know what? I, I would like to see more of Jack. I think he's a decent character, and I think Ed Spielers is a decent actor. Uh, it goes without saying. I would like to see more of Sydney. Uh, but yeah, it would be nice to see bringing more legacy characters, perhaps from Voyager, DS9, that kind of thing. Mm. I'd like to see where it goes. And if it's got the same kind of energy that, you know, this season did, I, I could see see it working, especially if they took on a kind of uh, episodic Strange New Worlds format, going back to uh, single stories. Yeah, I just don't imagine they will, but it would, it would be nice if they did. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, just to give you some indication, I think they said even characters who kind of hadn't appeared in this season that were, you know, the, the relatives of people you know could appear. So it could be, we could finally get Soji back, for example, as Data's daughter, which was another scene that was cut from the finale. We could get um, Alexander making an appearance. We could see Naomi <laughs> Wildman, any of the kind of young crewmen that we, we knew before, um, or like I said, anyone that had children uh, that were familiar characters. So, yeah. Um yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, I hope it happens and it seems like it might well because Kurtzman's already made, you know, statements and it's got way more petitions than even Strange New Worlds did to exist. So it looks like it might. And I'll be honest, I don't love the Enterprise G, but it's growing on me a bit. And I do kind of miss the idea of having a series set on an Enterprise that isn't, you know, the obvious original one, obviously from, from Strange New Worlds. So... I'm intrigued and I want to see what they can do. And some of the ideas that Atalus has put forward for possible stories that he might do are intriguing. And that post credit scene, talk about setting you up with a really intriguing idea to, you know, in a beautiful kind of full circle way as well, that you could potentially have the series start with Q again, <laughs> this time tasking Picard's son with the whole new missions. And yeah, I'd be definitely for it. I really can't wait to see if it happens, what, what it would look like. And I hope, that uh, they're able to get the same people on board and people like our good friend Dave Blass as the production designer and such. So, yeah. Uh, what about you, um, Sandra? What would you think of the Star Trek Legacy? Yeah, I would be a thousand percent on board with that. Um, what DK had mentioned, you know, some other characters we might like to see. Uh, but also, 
I liked, I didn't realize how much I wanted to get some more of the post DS9 era. And, and that's where I felt like this picked up threads with the changelings. And so I'd love to see something like that where, you know, we're still, you know, have the changelings. It's kind of like the Star Trek's version of Secret Invasion, right? I love that idea yeah. because they're obviously not all, you know, filtered out yet. We don't know who who could still be a changeling. Um, well, they kind of said that Beverly had uh, found a way to root them out immediately. That's right. That's that right. But then, you know, still just infiltrating. Maybe they figure out a way to get around Beverly's way of doing it. But still, yeah, just like I would like to see like some Cardassians weaved in and uh, Jeffrey Combs needs a new role. <laughs> so I would I would definitely love love to see more of that. And, and just how, you know, they they did open up, you know, some new we have, you know, a good mix of new characters and old hmm. characters. So, yeah. And I will say, I forgot to mention, by the way, that um, Terry Metellus has come out and said that it was always the plan to have Shaw involved in this series. And even though, yes, he was killed off uh, and, you know, that has been happened and it hasn't been retconned or anything. He does have a way to keep Shaw involved and have him be a, a part of the show as intended. But he won't reveal what it is because he says it's really cool and unexpected. So you will see him again in that show if it happens and can't wait to see how. Uh, so, well, yeah, Adrian, your thoughts on the two uh, lower decks. So they could make an appearance. True. But they'd be quite old by this point because <laughs> uh, Lower Decks is set in 2381 and it's 2402. So, yeah, not really. <laughs> no, they could play uh, older versions of themselves. Somebody said that actually. Somebody actually genuinely tweeted um, Tony Newsom and said, What happened to you guys? Were you, uh, did you fall victim to the Borg sim uh, signal and get assimilated? And uh, Tony Newsom said it's set in 2402. These guys would be in well in middle age at this point. So, no, we were fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, sorry, Adrienne, I interrupted there. But what did you think about Star Trek Legacy? Oh, I'm excited. I want um, the opening scene to be Deep Space Nine, Jake Sisko's bookshop. And I want Seven and Janeway <laughs> to have a reunion in that shop. I need a Seven and Janeway reunion. I need that reunion. <laughs> I need it. Yeah. Yeah. It was because, so nice, the Tuvok moment, but I really would have melt, meant yeah. a lot more if it had been Admiral Janeway giving her that it sort would. of captain's pick, wouldn't it? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> need to um, see them. I need to see Janeway again. Just watch Prodigy. She's amazing on there. Twice I love over. Prodigy. I I have. I mean, I, I love, <laughs> yeah, I've watched that. I mean, she is. I guess, you know what I mean. I want to see Kate. I want Star Trek Legacy to happen anyway, and we're, we're looking forward to it if it does. But yeah. So what about, um just quickly, then not like fully ranking or anything, where, what would you say, looking back on Star Trek Picard as, as its legacy, what would you say for it overall? Would you say it's one of your favorite, least favorite Trek series? Or, you know, what do you think of it uh, in terms of an overall thing? Um. <laughs> I think because of all the, I'll try to, I'll be brief because of all of um, the new way they're filming all of these. Uh, it's hard to compare new Trek at, you know, so to speak to old. So of the new ones though, I would say it's my second favorite with Strange New Worlds being my absolute favorite. But Picard, only because of season three, 
because I wasn't mm. loving it. And I have to say this, I was wanting to bring this up and I don't know if this has anything at all to do with it, but season one, season two, I watched as it came out for what, you know, for many, many different reasons. I wasn't able to do that with season three. So I ended up binging it over the course of two days. And I wonder if that had a lot to do with my enjoyment because I did like it so much. Uh, there were obvious other reasons to like it so much, but like you had said, you you had that anticipation hanging over your head of when are they going to show up? When are they going to show up? And mm. I obviously didn't have to wait that long for them. And so I think mm. that had a lot to do with my enjoyment of this of this um, season. Yeah, I think I feel like it probably because they yeah, have often said it's kind of more like a big movie, and I think it probably plays a lot better. Um, watching it as a whole like that. And I am kind of good that we didn't get the chance to see those last two episodes as a big IMAX movie, the way the American uh, audience did in cinemas, because that would have been awesome. <laughs> but yeah, um, anyway. And yeah, me and Adrian mind. live here and we didn't even go. What a waste. Oh, no, wait, did you go, Adrian? No. I yeah, was, what a waste. I was working. We don't even know how good we have it over here. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> yeah, we don't. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you always uh, being there for us and joining us on these and Sandra binge watching Picard, not specifically to come on here, but it was always handy that you had. So that's awesome. And uh, yeah, uh, you're always a great shining presence in our Discord groups and just generally in our lives. So it's kind of nice Aww. that you both had a chance to meet on a Yeah, <laughs> we shine together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just, before we, uh, just before we go then, you can always find myself and DK via any of the links in our episode descriptions. Uh, you still have a chance to message us or get in touch with us and ask for a film for us to review on the Silver Screen podcast because we recently reached 200 subscribers over there. We're now well over that, but um, we haven't had a lot of responses. So thank you, thank you. Um, and yeah, you can tune into our sister podcast, Silver Screen, anytime. We're currently well busy with that, and we will be back uh, soon on the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast with a new series of Trekker Mind, Star Trek Mastermind, and the full first, uh, the full third season, sorry, of the podcast proper, dealing with the. Uh, as DK has a very appropriate icon on here, dealing with Klingon themed episodes. So today will be a good day to review some episodes. So, yeah, you can find us anywhere. But what about you guys, though? Sandra, where can people find you? If uh, Do you have anything you want to plug? On Mike's Discord. Awesome. And that's always in the description. And uh, Adrienne, <laughs> what have you? <laughs> I am also on Mike's Discord, but I'm on Twitter at AL Park Tucker, too. Sorry about the politics. Fair enough. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so stay tuned. We'll always keep you up to date with what's coming next and uh, everything else. And thank you to anyone who's listened to both parts of this and the super long thing. Thank you to all three of you for taking part. And uh, yeah, just remember, we are Starfleet. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Home Star Trek Podcast or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen, Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.